You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Limited Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us today is Addison Edmonds from Gunner once again. Addison, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. Also on the show today, we have Corey Loeffler. And uh, we brought Corey in um, mainly to introduce kind of a new program from Gunner. And and Addison, why don't you go ahead and take that where you kind of introduce this new program and we'll kind of explain why we're talking about this and also a, a hunt and experience that you guys shared just a, a couple weeks back. Yeah, so we got Corey Loeffler from DRC Calls. I met Corey about four years ago uh, up at a hunt in Minnesota, and we've been buddies ever since. But um, yeah, so the Gunner Dogs concept that we've got, now that Gunner's passed, our marketing team kind of thought it'd be cool to to, to tell the story of other once-in-a-lifetime dogs. And we were starting with Corey and his dog grew, and, and we went up to, um, to do some backcountry duck hunting with Corey and, and, and hang out with Rune and, um, kind of hear their story. No, that's cool. Hey, Corey, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, man. Pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. And before we get into the hunt here, um, do you want to kind of explain, you know, kind of how you do these backcountry hunts? And I know you're, you mentioned you're, you're doing them up in Northern Minnesota, but, um, you know, kind of just describes the situation that, that you find yourself in up there in those hunts. Uh, yeah. So, um, Boy, I tell you what, it kind of stemmed from uh, myself and my wife. Well, we watched uh, a TV series called Alone. Maybe some of the viewers are 
familiar with that show. And uh, <laughs> I kind of, I said, man, that'd be a lot of fun to do a duck hunt like that. I know the exact spot. And uh, a couple of my friends had done something pretty similar to that in years past, probably about 10 years ago. And so we just travel up to some public land in northern Minnesota, set out on to a public campsite, basically set up camp and then go way back into the bush and hunt for however many days we can survive. And then, uh, and that's about it. So it gets pretty wild up there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Addison, how did, uh, how did Corey convince you to, to go on this hunt? Uh, I don't know if he had to. I just, I think Andrew, or one of our marketing guys, was putting together and said, You want to go hunt with Corey in northern Minnesota and camp for a few days? And um, yeah, it didn't take much convincing. Now that's cool. And so let's get to the dog. So, um, how, how many dogs did you guys have with you on the hunt? Just had Rue with us. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Just the one. Cool. And, and before we jumped on here, we had kind of had a short, brief little discussion. And just to give the listeners a reference, um, they did this hunt like October 8th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, right around in there. Um, but, you know, there was also some discussion about about some training that you do with your dog, and, and I'd like to get into that. But, but first, let's talk about how you, you tie your dog into this backcountry hunt. I mean, I've been on a, plenty of hunts with with plenty of dogs, even in, in lodges and everything where, where sometimes the dog can, can cause some issues with, you know, whether it's not as running in the camp or, you know, tearing something up in camp. But how do you handle that on these backcountry trips? Well, our dogs are family dogs first, and then they're hunting dogs after that, and then they're hunt test dogs after that. So it kind of depends on what people want in their dogs. Some people value ribbons and field trial placings more than they want to have a family dog or a hunting dog or vice versa or, you know, whatever. It's it's different strokes for different folks, I guess. So, uh, but our dogs are family dogs first. They're very well behaved around people in my call shop where I'm making duck and goose calls every day in the house around uh, my young daughters. So to have them to have Rue at camp was, you know, basically it was a breeze. You don't even really know she's there unless you're you're eating something and then she'll come over and try to investigate, you know, like any like any lab would. So, yeah, I mean, she she fit in seamless to camp and was uh, kind of a joy to have around. All right, so let's talk about the the hunt a little bit. I guess that's we'll go start with Corey here. You know, kind of describe what what this year's hunt was like. I mean, I mean, we're close enough in time frame here that we can kind of reference weather and birds and things like that. I think that's pretty valuable. I wouldn't get too specific. You don't want to give away any of your secret spots here, but just kind of reference how you got how you got in there. You know, where you stayed, how how you did it, and, and then also the hunt. Yeah, so in northern Minnesota is coming off of a, a drought from all summer. Didn't hardly see a drop of rain uh, since spring, since the spring thaw. And uh, lo and behold, it poured on us pretty much the whole weekend while we tried to sleep in, in tents up there. And Andrew and I slept in uh, the one big tent together. And, uh, I thought everyone was going to sleep in there, but the pickup trucks were a lot more dry than that big tent was. So we had some water issues that made things fairly interesting. And, uh, but no, we, we drive into a, a state or a public campsite. They're free to stay at. They don't have anything. They're primitive. There's no electricity or water. Sometimes you're, you'll get lucky and find a, a rock fire ring there 
and uh, which we which we did. Uh, so we pulled in there. We were the only campers at that particular site, and then um, we take off and just have like usually just a couple mile drive to some some public ground, um, the big swamp, I guess, it, where we were hunting that on that trip. And um, we utilized my daughter's little Schwinn uh, bike, pedal bike for uh, some transportation when we had to park the truck because we had to park in a certain area. And uh, we were hunting about a mile and a half from that area. So got um, Addison had to drive the truck back or excuse me, he had to drive the bike back to the truck the one day. And there was a young boy on the bank fishing with his dad. And Addison tried to talk to the kid, but the kid couldn't even talk to him. He was laughing so hard at Addison driving this off-white girl's Schwinn bike with a basket on it. So um, yeah, lots of laughs uh, throughout the weekend. And and that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg a little bit. That's awesome. So Addison, did you shoot any birds? We did. Uh, we did. We shot a um, good amount of ducks and, and uh, we also got to do a little grouse hunting in the afternoons. And uh, we had a great time at rain. You know, it was I guess I'm glad that they got rain, but it was it was poor timing on our part. But um, yeah, we had a big time. That's good. Yeah, that's it's funny that you guys are referencing that northern Minnesota because I was actually in northern Minnesota uh, the week prior to you guys being up there, and it was uh, it was still dry and about 85 degrees. So my hunting was was not very successful. Um, that was it was pretty brutal. So I probably would have taken the rainy weather just to have a little little change of pace up there well i was expecting you know northern minnesota weather and uh for it to be really cold but it was still pretty warm just just a little wet yeah this was the latest that i'd ever gone up which like the first really the first week of october i'd been going up that first weekend of the opener i've been up there a couple different times and and it was like snowing then and i go up this year and like it literally was 80 degrees and we were in flip-flops and shorts so um, that was a big bummer but sounds like you guys got on some grouse which is cool and that's a that's a pretty interesting uh angle that you know i i was aware of it but have not really been successful until this year uh, but Corey, how, do you you're using your dogs on the grouse right uh yeah absolutely they double as pheasant dogs upland dogs um hunt test dogs family dogs duck retrievers big goose retrievers you know they they're pretty, they're kind of like the Swiss army knife of, of dogs around here. So multi-purpose. Yeah. And, and I've been around a lot of dogs and even some up on to an extent, as far as labs go, um, I don't do a ton of upland hunting, but as far as grouse, I mean, getting into the, that real thick brush and, and having the dogs working close, how do you train the dogs to do that? I, I run an electronic collar on the dogs that has a beep feature on the side of it and the dogs can hear that beep and uh, when i beep them that beep means to come back to me so if they're getting a little bit too far away then uh, i just have my finger on that beep button i beep them a couple times they turn a 180 and then they come running back and uh, i think they just learn over time that when we're hunting that thick cover for rough grouse they need to stay a lot closer and i'm beeping them more frequently than let's say if we're out in the in the crp grass hunting for pheasants well then they can range a little bit more 30 40 yards from side to side and it's no big deal but 30 or 40 yards in a grouse in a rough grouse woods that's way too far all you're going to hear is wing beats in the distance and you're you're not going to see any grouse flush at that range so yeah just use that beep feature and um 
works out pretty good. Some of that thick cover that we were we were busting into up there, I think about ten yards would probably would have been too far. I know I I came home, my wife was like, "What what did you do?" I mean, my arms and shoulders were all bruised up from busting in and, and really trying to get at you know. Once we actually had a pointer this year, which was surprising. I, I never really hunted grouse over a pointer, so that had changed it up a little bit for us. So the dog would get on point, and then we'd bust in to try and get it. So that that was pretty cool. Um, did you guys see any woodcock when you're up there? Oh yeah, we did. Did you shoot some? We did. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, we got into a bunch of them. I think it was really good timing that week prior. So I'm sure you guys probably got into a few more. So, you know, back to this hunt overall, what what are you guys doing with the birds? Kind of explain the process of, you know, are you guys eating eating ducks every and woodcock and grouse for every meal? Uh, yeah, pretty much. You know, sometimes on some of the hunts, we can pack a little more gear, a little more aggressively. And then some of them are very primitive backwoods hunts where we're taking a boat in and, you know, planning to stay for four or five days. So then the gear restrictions are are, are pretty, pretty stringent that way. Um, and so typically what I like to do, especially this time of year, is pluck those ducks. And then I'm utilizing all the skin and the fat that the ducks have on them, as well as all the meat on there too. So uh, in my opinion, culinary wise, duck fat is second to none. Um, duck fat and snow goose fat, speckle belly fat. I absolutely love cooking with that. And so I'm going to pluck the ducks any chance I get and then use that stuff in. But, uh, you know, I've eaten so many meals in the recent past of, of duck and goose. I can't even remember what we cooked up there, Addison. What, what did we have? Yeah, I mean a lot of duck, <laughs> some, <laughs> some grouse. But I mean, uh, one cool thing, Corey is uh, is a really good cook, and and uh, you could tell he'd done it before. And and um, I hadn't eaten the leg, the duck legs very often, but he cooked them with every meal, and they were they're phenomenal. It was, it was good to learn about um, just different ways to do it. But um, yeah, Corey heard that I was coming, so he said, "Well, we can't take the boat and be primitive. We got to bring we got to bring some the trucks so Addison can be comfortable." <laughs> so we brought some bacon too and and um and some ice and and stuff like that yeah the the, uh did did he didn't want to take you out too far and make it too primitive he wanted you to have a little bit of comfort but it it sounds like you still got a pretty wet throughout the whole trip yeah but uh but yeah let's talk about rue a little bit yeah and and that's and that was gonna i wanted to lead into that with uh you know some of the training and some of the 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 dogs and, and getting back to really the gunner dogs message here. Um, and Addison, and I'll let you start. What, what stands out with Rue, um, to really make that dog, make you recognize that dog as a, as a gunner dog. Yeah. So I didn't, I, Corey, I'd never met Rue before. Um, I know just, Boone, just but, Boone, uh, four or yeah, five years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I gotta be honest, if you heard the saying, like, I like my dogs, I don't like your dogs or just, um, I, I ever since Gunner passed and I kind of went through all that, if I see other people's dogs, most of them, I'm just kind of in the back of my head, like, uh, missing Gunner or, well, that dog's not, you know, it's not my dog. And, and watching Rue and hearing Corey tell kind of the story about her and just seeing how good of a dog she was. And the first night at the, um, at the, at the campfire, Rue came up to me and just looked at me and I kind of looked at her and I just, I just instantly realized like, this is a special dog. And I got kind of choked up just thinking about it. It, it was the first time that I'd seen kind of light at the end of the tunnel that, um, cause I, I, I mean, Corey and I had conversations about it cause Corey's got a, uh, Boone that's got a pretty good story. That's a once in a lifetime dog. And then he, and he's got Rue. And I, you know, I was 
pleasantly surprised that possible to have more than one. Um, and so I just, she was a very special dog. She was, she was very smart. You could t- tell she hunted very well, but she was just very well mannered. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, I can, you can tell that Corey spent a lot of time with her and that they just know each other. And that's what I had with Gunner. And, and we spent a lot, a lot of time talking about, you know, special dogs like that. But I, I got to be honest, going to the trip, they didn't tell me what the concept was. I was just told I was going to go hunt. And, um, then I heard about it, the concept and, and I didn't really know Rue. And I just, I wasn't like all in on it until I got to hang out with her and hunt with her and then just be with her and, and realize like, this is actually going to be perfect, a perfect story. Like I couldn't imagine a better dog or dog and, and owner um, to start that series with. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're We're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Corey, you know, it sounds like, you know, Addison sees, you know, so much in Rue, but but what what makes Rue so special to you? And before you start this, I just want to reference it. What is Rue? A black lab, yellow lab? We haven't referenced that. We've kind of talking about Rue like like everyone's seen a picture of her. So I'll let you go ahead and describe her first. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's a small framed uh, 60, 58 to 60 pound dark yellow female. Some might call her a fox red. Fox red just means she's a dark yellow. Uh, but yeah, she's a purebred Labrador retriever. She's got a HR title in the HRC and she's got a master hunter title in the AKC. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of her and her training. I uh, bought her as a seven week old puppy and uh, picked her up and actually one of her litter mates, a sister. And then my friend Lincoln Bierman in South Dakota has that dog. And so that's a, a full, full litter mate to Rue. Uh, Dixie is her name. So I got to bring those two little fur balls home and, uh, on, Oh, I brought them home on the December the 3rd. And uh, then we had, uh, my family, my wife actually had, uh, a 
little girl, uh, Eva, on December 11th. So we brought a brand new puppy and a brand new human baby into the household at basically the same exact time. So uh, a lot of people, a lot of our family members thought we were pretty much crazy, but uh, we're we're always up for a challenge. So um, no, I had uh, I had taken a look at uh, Bill Hillman's puppy training methods just prior to to getting her, and I kind of dove into that. I really liked the theories, the concepts, and everything that he was was trying to promote and to to teach to do with a dog. And I tell you what, I followed his his teachings like to a T as best as I could. Um, at the time, she was the only dog in the house because. Our other dog, Bella, she was down snow goose hunting with a couple of my friends and actually um, some guide friends of mine. So she was guiding snow goose hunts. And then uh, Boone, my black lab male, he was down at Chris Aiken's place in Arkansas and he was getting prepared to run the Grand. So Rue was the only dog in the house. And uh, I was just able to spend so much time with her when she was a puppy and really just, um, really just kind of you know, if she was, if she was a ball of clay, so to speak, I was just really able to, to mold that into exactly what I was looking for in a dog. And she just, um, it just fit her genetics and her mental style and, and capabilities. It just fit her perfectly. She took to that style of training. Awesome. It's just very positive, very rewarding style of, of teaching a puppy how to how to be a good dog, basically, and almost no negative um, negative or, or or punishment involved with that training style. So, um, so she really really trusts me all the time because she really doesn't have any reason not to trust me. And uh, you know, I think that spending that much time and that training method from basically from day one or when she was seven weeks old. Um, all the way up for until she was about almost a year old. Um, I think that really just helped her become who she is. And she actually just had so much fun training because I, I, I tried to make it fun for her. Uh, she had a behavior that I wanted and I had something that she wanted, which was a bumper or, you know, or her dummy. And, um, so we had this give and take relationship where, um, she always wanted the bumper and I always wanted a behavior. Like if it was to be a good dog or sit or stay there or something like that. And and she really understood that give and take behavior, uh, from an early age. And it really helped her advance her training. And she actually, um, started passing some senior hunt tests when she was, Oh, just after eight months old and nine months old, and she had her senior title by the time she was 10 months old. So um, I had never even seen a dog that young run in a senior test before, or I've never even heard of one. But um, she she kind of set the bar when she went and competed. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of rue. She's just, just been a, a real special dog pretty much since day one. 
Yeah, and I think that's important. Like you mentioned her, you know, it sounds like her temperament fit perfect into even your situation. Um, you know, said you had the had bringing a new baby home, you know, that that can add some some stress and and maybe, you know, the training regimen that you you started out with uh, maybe helped you and her at the same time. So so that's a that's a pretty cool aspect of it. Um, what were some of the real key uh, training focuses that, that you did with her. And this is just more or less for our audience who uh, may be out there, you know, working with the young retriever right now. But what, what are some of the key things that you started out with her when she was real young? Because it sounds like she progressed really fast if she's running, you know, senior hunt tests, you know, so young. What did you start out with there? Uh, yeah. So basically, uh, right away, it is kind of a treat training program. And uh, she sort of understands that give and take relationship that I had ref- referenced before with with food or with treats. And so she understands or understood from an early age that she would have to sit down and be still and look at me. And then I would give her a piece of dog food. So that was the give and take relationship that I was trying to establish with her is that she has a behavior that I want, and that's to sit. And I have a treat that she wants, and she's got to, you know, she's got to sit before she gets a treat. So we did uh, a bunch of that stuff. And then um, I transitioned the treats into uh, a bumper or just fun fetch or um, just a, a play fetch, or some people call them hup hups or something like that. But um, I transitioned treats to, to uh, a bumper. And then we carried the the training outside. So when she was a little seven week old puppy, we did a lot of stuff inside in the living room. Um, and then, uh, as she got a little bit older and we were, you know, playing fetch outside, then she really understood that give and take relationship because we basically had been doing that exact thing from when she was seven weeks old. So she really didn't know anything, any different. Uh, one of the big Another big concept with that training program is um, it's all positive and no negative or no, um, no, let's see, it's all positive reinforcement. And uh, I, I didn't tell her no in a stern voice. I didn't say the words no to her uh, probably until after she was six months old. Um, I didn't discipline her in any way. Uh, basically if, if she did something wrong, I would just ignore that behavior and we wouldn't acknowledge it. We'd just ignore it. And I basically just put the blame on myself. Like, let's say for example, you have a puppy that gets your shoes and chews up your shoes. Well, I think it's kind of human nature to, to go out and maybe bring the puppy over to the shoes and then try to discipline the puppy and tell the puppy that that was wrong to do that. Well, the puppy doesn't even remember that they that they chewed up the shoes. They just, the only thing that they see is that there's a pair of chewed up shoes here and I got my butt spanked for it. So that's, it doesn't really do any good other than to deteriorate the trust that the dog has in you because you're the one administering the, the discipline. Um, so instead of doing any type of discipline, I put the blame on myself and said, I shouldn't have put those shoes there. Those shoes should have been up on the rack where the puppy couldn't get to them. If the puppy pees on the floor, well, you should have left the puppy outside sooner after it woke up from its nap and not allowed the puppy to pee on the floor. So anytime the dog did something wrong, I 
placed the blame on myself and I tried to provide basically kind of a perfect world for her to grow up in where she wouldn't screw up and then we wouldn't have to discipline or even feel the need to discipline for anything. And then when she did something right, I would positively reinforce that with um, more food or more fetches or lots of love and real excited voice. And like I tell a lot of people that when they bring a seven-week-old puppy home, I say, well, uh, you're going to have to put the man card down and pick up the pom-poms because it's time to cheer on this little puppy. So uh, a lot of people get a little chuckle out of that one, but I really uh, wholeheartedly believe in in that. Um, it, it just, uh, it's so, it, it's, it's so rewarding for the dog to see you get excited when they do something right. And it just really clicks in their mind that, okay, that's, that's why I'm here. I know what I'm supposed to do now. That's what my purpose is. No, that's awesome. And I think the positive reinforcement there is, is, you know, an awesome message. Um, Addison, were you going to add something there? I was going to ask Corey if that, if that method is applicable to four kids under the age of six, I've been trying <laughs> that and it, it, it hadn't gone so well, but <laughs> just spending just spending time with Corey and and listening to him talk about it, you know, we got uh, we got a new poodle a few months back, and um, with all these little kids, just my my dog training hat has not been put on very much, and just hearing him talk about get you know building their trust and and positive reinforcement, and just like spending time with them and not allowing not letting them be in a situation to make a mistake. Uh, ever since I got home, I've been treating our dog, our puppy Teal differently. Um, cause there was how many things I was doing wrong after he- hearing him talk about it. Yeah, no, that's some good lessons for, for people to take to heart with the, definitely with the positive reinforcement. I mean, I think that's a, <clears throat> a very good lesson that a lot of amateur trainers, especially can, can really take to heart. Um, my main question with Rue here is you talked about all the time that you had, kind of just with her and how that really generated the bond between you and her. Um, how did that, how did that go when the other dogs came home? You mentioned you had two other dogs who were either at training or at snow goose camp. Um, you know, when all of a sudden she wasn't, you know, the, the lonely child there. Um, how did she react to that? Um, I thought she took that perfect. And, and especially when the older dogs came back into our household, um, I thought they took it, took to her very well, uh, also. And, you know, I kind of had referenced her to, a, a a ball of clay earlier. And, uh, I think I had really already started to mold her into what I wanted and what I wanted her to become, uh, far, she was far enough along before the other dogs came in that they didn't have their influence on that, that ball of clay and, uh, in getting her to maybe be a little bit more naughty, uh, more times than not. Uh, so, uh, I think, I, I, I think it, uh, it worked out really well that she was our only dog or the only dog in the house for, um, what I think was probably about four months or so, three or four months, something like that. Yeah. I'd imagine that's enough time for her to get accustomed to being the only dog, especially when two older dogs come back. And yep, absolutely. Like you said, probably started trying to teach her some, some bad habits. Yeah. And Corey, uh, you also talk about how, you know, they're socialized at such a young age with, with your three daughters. Um, do you think that had anything to do with kind of easy, getting into being socialized with the other two dogs? as well. Yeah. Rue is very submissive by nature. So, 
there was really no socialization issues uh, with the other dogs coming in. And Rue had already been, oh man, she had went down to Texas with us. Um, she'd been on a trip down there. I would take her everywhere with me. And my kind of my secret to that and that type of socialization is I would I would always have one pocket of my pants that was you know, had dog food in it, filled up with dog food. And she viewed that dog food as a treat. So I would take her all over the place and it didn't matter where. If we were going to the grocery store, I'd bring a cart or I'd, I'd throw her right in the cart to the, at the grocery store. And uh, I'm, I tell you what, if you want attention from every person that's in the grocery store, bring us eight-week-old puppy in there with you because they are all going to come up to you and ask to pet the puppy, which is perfect training. And I and most everyone was very polite and said, hey, can we pet the puppy? And I say, sure, can I ask you to give her this treat first? So then I would hand that dog food over to the stranger. Stranger has the dog food. Stranger gives the dog food to the dog. Dog is like, holy smokes, this is awesome. Like all these people, these random strange people that are coming up to me and petting me, oh, they all give me food first. This is amazing. So um, that was huge for socialization and I, you know, take her in the vehicle all over the place. And, uh, I think that was another big part of why she fits in so good at, at duck camp or around the house or, or whatever, you know? Yeah, no. And that socialization is super important, especially at a young age, but Addison, you know, just kind of going back to the gunner's dog, our gunner's dogs, the, um, you know, is it, was it the temperament? of Rue that really stood out to you? And also, is that is that kind of part of the, you mentioned it, the, the family orientation. Is that something that you guys really look at? Like, you're not necessarily just looking for the best hunting dog out there, but it's um, also the, the temperament of the dog around the family and that it is a family pet. Is that something you guys look at? Yeah, I'm, I don't think it's just uh, the temperament. I think it's just the combination of, of everything that makes that dog special. And, um, uh, after being around Rue and, and hearing Corey, you know, there's so many similarities of, you know, I took that dog everywhere with me and, um, very similar training methods early on with Gunner. And I didn't even know the concept on our way up there, but like just after we talked through his training method and, and how good of a special of a dog she was, it's kind of just like the whole story of y'all have got that bond and she is a you know, just phenomenal dog that I think all dogs have the potential for. It's just like Corey's saying, it's the time and the training and, um, and done in the right way. Yeah. And Corey, what's, what's the next step with Rue? Um, you know, more t- additional tests, more, you know, w- what are you looking forward to with her moving forward? Uh, you know, honestly, right now we have quite a few deposits in, uh, in the safe for, puppies out of Rue. So that's honestly the next step. We're just waiting for her to come into season and um, we're going to have a litter of puppies with her. But uh, as far as as hunt tests and hunting, um, you know what? She's got her master title. She was qualified to run in the 2020 Master National and they canceled that whole deal because of COVID. Um, and that doesn't really fit with our schedule anyway, because they just got done running the master national here last week sometime. And we're full under, uh, you know, right in the middle of hunting season when they run that. So that I don't, I don't want her running that thing. We don't have anything else to prove there. Um, it just doesn't fit with our schedule. And so maybe we'll run a few more, um, HRC tests 
and get uh, maybe get her finish title put on her at some time if we if we get bored and we want to go play around in that game i think we will and um maybe we'll dabble in the field trial run a qual at some time who knows well i'll just i let her decide if she's looking like she wants to go and do it then we'll go and try it you know absolutely and you know and and just to kind of bring this you know to light with um you know, Addison's relationship with Gunner and yours with Rue, um, you know, and I just, there's something to always mention, you know, it, it's a difficult, um, process, uh, because you know, you only have, you know, a limited time with, uh, with this, with these dogs. I think there's a good saying that, you know, the worst part about having a the hunting dog is that, you know, that, you know, they're not going to live as long as you, no matter what. Um, so, you know, how do you look at that as, you know, knowing, you know, knowing the insides and outs of, of Addison's story with Gunner and, and how passionate he was, um, how do you kind of view that with Rue and in, in, in comparison? You know, uh, as a full-time duck and goose call maker, I, I absolutely make time in my schedule to hunt a lot. And I go on a lot of different hunting trips. And, uh, the, the biggest thing that I can do for my dogs is to just bring them with, because I know that's where they want to be, whether it's chasing pheasants or chasing ducks and geese, it doesn't really matter as long as they're out in a field chasing birds, you know, that's what makes them the happiest. And I kind of feel like I'm sort of a servant to my dogs and I just want to bring them to their happy places as many times as I possibly can and um, try my hardest to give them the life that that they deserve. And uh, I feel like I do a pretty good job of it. And uh, we we have a lot of fun and we spend a lot of time out in the field. Very cool. And, and Addison, just to kind of add on to that, um, you know, that, that that's a very similar, you know, kind of sentiment that you had with Gunner. Um, just trying to spend, I know last time we talked, you, you kind of talked about spending as much time, you know, in the field with him as possible. Um, is that something that you guys are also looking for as far as the Gunner's Dogs program? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know when the next uh, feature is going to be or kind of what the qualifications are. But I think just knowing, I mean, I think we hit a home run with the first one with Corey having that same mentality of you know, give the dogs the lives they deserve. Um, and I think if they're someone that hunts and, and has a hunting dog that kind of goes with it is, is trying to take the dog on the field as much as possible. Um, so yeah, I think kind of, but I, I don't know all the, the filters that they've got on it. Okay, cool. No, and I got one more question for you, uh, Addison, before I'll let you go and talk about some new products from Gunner here. Um, but my last question is one of those deposits in Corey's safe from you. Well, I, you know, I, I had a, a heart to heart with Rue and, um, I, I asked Corey about that and we don't have anything solidified yet. I, I've, we're, I've got to figure out my game plan on timing and, and, um, and dogs, and I'm, I'm ready to get one, but um, not right now, but maybe in the future. That's awesome. No, I didn't want to put you on the spot there, but I know last time that we talked on the podcast, you had mentioned that, you know, you just, you just weren't quite ready yet. And, uh, you know, I had shared some, some stories of the, the, how I was very similar in that manner um, after I lost my first dog. And, um, and so I, I, I was just, I didn't want to just put you right on the spot there, but I think that was, I think that was a good, you know, a good little transition for you to kind of explain your process for, or your timeline for your process of, of moving into the next dog. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think I texted Corey last night or this morning because I'm, I've just, I've grown up with chocolate labs and, 
I texted him, if you can just, if you can breed Rue with one of these chocolate labs, um, I'll buy the whole litter and figure out what to do with them. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're still got to figure that out. That's awesome. Uh, well, I was just thumbing through uh, some of the deposit checks here, and there's looks like there's one from Edel- uh, Emily Edmonds in here. So Perfect. you might have to talk with your wife on that one. Yep. That, that's exactly how the process works at my house. Uh, <laughs> someone even sent my wife, when I was in Northern Minnesota, someone sent my wife a picture like, Hey, got a litter coming out and a picture of this five week old black lab. And she's like, all right, we'll take it. I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't, that'll break my 12 year old labs heart. If I brought yeah. home a five week old, six, seven week old puppy right now. Um, now that that's great. And, uh, no, Corey, that's awesome. Um, you know, that's a cool story to share about Rue. Um, it, it's an interesting process, you know, your positive reinforcement, the way that the way that you train, the way that you uh, have really, you know, and I think one thing that really stuck out for me and, and our audience should take note of is is the fact that when you, you take the dog everywhere, even when they're young, mm-hmm. um, that, that really, it really, I, for me, I, I really think it makes them trust you in, in all scenarios. So then when you get into maybe a hunting scenario that they're not comfortable with, um, as even when they're older, it really gives them the confidence in you that you're not putting them in a bad situation because they're so accustomed to being around you all the time. I think that's, that's a cool part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, hey, Addison, do you want to share some news? Uh, you kind of mentioned that that you might have some some new products coming from Gunner, and that's always exciting. Uh, the gearheads out there, you know, they they seem to really eat the the podcast up anytime you talk about new products. So, uh, do you want to share some news on some new products? Sure. A lot of the stuff that I'm really excited about, not till next year, but uh, I was told that I can mention we've got an updated all weather kit, better material, um, just a better product all around than our current all weather kit, and then we've got a a dog kennel food and water bowl that mounts to the door of the kennel so you can keep your your dogs watered on trips and there's a lot more to come it's just a matter of time Uh, that's exciting i know you guys did some upgrades on the fan kit as well yeah Um, something that i just take a note of throughout the summer um and and i think that that was an awesome addition i've heard some people talk about that 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 was that was that was a really cool addition yeah i think that's going to be releasing in a couple months but it'll be ready for next year for sure. Very cool. Well, hey, Addison, Corey, this has been great. I've had a great conversation. I'm glad we got to talk about the Gunner Do- Gunner's Dogs program. Got to talk about Rue. Got to talk about your guys' hunt in northern Minnesota. Sounds like it was wet, but but a pretty good experience all around. Appreciate you guys coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks for having us. I'd like to thank my guests, Addison Edmonds from Gunner Kennels and Corey Loeffler from DRC Calls for coming on the show today and talking about Gunner's Dogs, the new program from Gunner Kennels. Um, and also Corey's dog, Rue, just sounds like a very special retriever and, and wish them the best. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for doing a great job of putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for supporting Wetlands Conservation and listening to the DU Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. 
Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 